0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and what's up, y'all? Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersasamo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. If you feel like you haven't heard my voice in a while, it's because that's absolutely true. I've taken a couple weeks off of the pod and just kind of letting the end of the season wrap up. Um, To be completely transparent with you all, I was going to do a podcast episode about the winners of the ATP Awards because I talked about those in the last episode. However, these awards, I didn't realize this last year the year before. I don't know if I just didn't pay that much attention. Um... They just, like, take all weeks to come out. Like, they, I, like this is what I found out. They'll announce one on, like, a Monday, announce another one on a Wednesday, announce another one on a Friday, announce another one on the next Wednesday. Like, bro, ATP, can we not do all these at the same time? Why, why, why can't we do that? That's I, I thought all these were going to come out at the same time. I go, oh, great, we'll do a podcast about it. To, to this day, when I'm recording this, two and a half weeks since I've recorded a podcast, I still can't find the winner of the comeback player of the year. Like, how is this an actual thing? Why do they drag this out? Why can't it be like the NFL honors or the MLB awards? Just do it all in one night. All right. Off my soapbox. We're going to talk about some of the winners of that. We're going to talk about some of the things that are going in the offseason. There was a 60 minutes that came out. That was about Novak Djokovic. That was exciting. Rafael Nadal is returning in 2024. And there's some other tidbits we got to talk about in this podcast episode because it's been so long since we've talked about tennis. Two weeks. It's been two full weeks. I apologize for the delay. I apologize for the hiatus. But we are back to talk about tennis in the offseason. In no time, tennis is going to be back. Christmas is around the corner right after Christmas is New Year's. And right after New Year's is, hey, welcome to Australia. Let's play some tennis. Tennis is right around the corner. I can't wait to talk about it. Let's get right to it. We're going to start with the ATP Awards, or should I say what we know about the ATP Awards. To be honest, we don't know everything because they don't come out with them all at once, but we do know some things. And there was a little bit of drama that happened around the ATP Awards this season. Let's get right into it. First award we're going to talk about is the newcomer of the year. I think everyone kind of saw this one coming. Um, Arthur Fields won this award. Uh, Phil's feels fees. I don't know how you say F I L S. I haven't known how to say it all year. That's my new year's resolution. Find out how to say his last name. I still don't know. Um, I said rune wrong forever. Runa, but he also said rune. So there's a whole thing going on with last names on the ATP tour, but I digress. Arthur Fields won the, uh, ATP award. I don't disagree with this at all when it comes to the newcomer of the year. He, burst onto the scene like he was incredible this season let's look a little bit back at his year he started the season outside of the top 250 in the pepperstone atp rankings he peaked at a career t- high number 36 in october after reaching the final Ant- antwerp um it was just his his highlight his standout highlight came at uh came on home soil in Lyon in may when he won his first tour level title uh he was the youngest champion at the atp On the ATP Tour in 2023. I believe he's 19. Yeah, the 19-year-old Frenchman. I mean, to go from 250 to 36 at age 19, he's just getting started. He didn't win the uh, Next Gen Finals, but he was there. He had a good showing, I believe. So, uh, definitely deserves this award. And I don't think anybody's going to disagree with how he played this year. That he actually won this award. Uh, When it comes to the Sportsmanship Award... The Spaniards just clean up this award it seems every year this uh the Stefan Edbird Sportsmanship Award goes to Carlos Alcaraz. Alcaraz is loved on tour, he's such a good sport. Rafael Nadal was loved on tour, he's such a good sport. Sorry, I just hit my microphone, didn't I? Um yeah, these guys, these two, I don't think it's a shock that they win that they win uh this award. Alcaraz becomes the fourth Spaniard to receive the prestigious ATP Award honor. Um in there's Rafael Nadal, who won it in 2010 and then 2018 through 2021. Um, the 20 year old has now won three player voted ATP awards, receiving newcomer of the year in 2020 and most improved in 2022. Carlos Alcaraz, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always nice to his opponent. He seems to laugh it off during the during matches if something bad happens or serious happens. He seems to you know be kind to his opponent, and I think that's like the biggest thing when it comes to. Carlos Alcaraz. Player I don't know if players like playing him because of how good he is, but I think when it comes to sportsmanship wise, he's definitely he's definitely someone who people respect a lot. And I think fans can see that as well. The most improved player of the year, this one, I was on the fence about, but I I, I trust that this is the right decision. I think it is the right decision. Yannick Sinner, what a breakout year for him. The reason I was on edge about this a little bit was because Yannick Sinner, in my eyes, has been this good for a long time. Um, maybe his ranking hasn't shown it, like him being number four in the world at the end of the year, um, which is pr- being top five in the world is really getting over a hump and like really stapling yourselves as yourself as one of the best players in the world consistently throughout the whole year. And I think that's what this comes from Um, it says the Italian earned 13 top 10 wins in 2023 which is incredible Um, he claimed four tour level titles including his maiden ATP Masters 1000 title that was in Toronto Um, he made it to the Nito ATP finals championship match he won the Davis Cup title with Italy and rose to a career high number four in advance to his first major semifinal at Wimbledon this year he went 64 and 15 which is an open era record for most wins by an Italian player in a single season 64 wins, 15 losses, what a year by Yannick Sinner. I don't disagree with this at all, like I've mentioned, but I just forgot how good he got throughout this year. I truly did because I just thought he, I thought he's always been this good and I just kind of expect this out of Sinner, but when you look at where he's at right now and what he's doing moving forward, Yannick Sinner is by far one of the best players in the world right now and... He is going to be a force to be reckoned with in 2024 because of what he did in 2023, and he really, truly took that next step in his career, I believe, in 2023, and I believe that's why he gets this award. And we go to Coach of the Year Award, which went to Darren Cahill and Simone Vagnazzi. What a name, Vagnazi. That's a sweet Italian name. Um, those two who are Yannick Center's coaches because of the year that Yannick Center had. Now, Novak Djokovic, not, okay, first off, before I get to Novak, very, very well deserved by Darren Cahill and Vignazzi that really took Yannick Center to another level this year. We've already talked about Center and what uh, he did to get the most improved player of the year, but to be most improved player of the year, At the level that he did it, right to you know being a top ten player to get into the into the top four, that's really really hard to do. Especially to get that most improved, you think ah you're going from you know top fifty to top fifteen, top ten. No, he went all the way pretty much to the top to get most improved player of the year, and to do that is really 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 difficult, and it's a huge head nod to his coaches. Now Novak Djokovic says. Congratulations, Darren and Simone. Um, you you know you deserve it. Great season with Yannick, and then he says Gorin, who's his coach. I guess we need to win four out of four slams in order for you to maybe just maybe be considered for coach of the year. Winning year end number one, three Grand Slams, and WTF is what he says, and making history of this sport is not enough, my dear coach. And then he and then he uh, put some emojis on there. I mean, he's not wrong. Novak did have a great year, but I think what Novak does, it's so much on him, and I think a lot of people realize that. Yes, I think his coaches do mean a lot. Novak's coaches do mean a lot, but I think a lot of people put what Novak can do and what Novak does is his mindset, is his body, is his, is his you know physical play, and how he can take people down. That's what people think about. Yeah, some of that is his coach. There's no doubt about it. His coach helps with that and is a huge part of that. However, I do think a lot of people just credit Novak Sheerly for that, and for Yannick Sinner to you know get into a whole new, you know, I don't want I don't want to say tax bracket, but when you're top four in the world, you do get into another tax bracket, but get into a whole new realm of playing, right? A whole new realm of players where he's consistently playing toe-to-toe matches with Djokovic, with Alcaraz, with Medvedev, and beating guys um, that are top 10 guys, he's beating them consistently. Doing that this year puts him over the top for not only being most improved player of the year, but also to get the word for the coach of the year, um, his coaches did. So I think it's deserved. I think it's well-deserved. Novak's got a really, really good point, though. Novak has an historic year, does unbelievable things, and yet his name still isn't mentioned. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? But it's cutthroat world out there. Comeback player of the year we still don't know. Maybe I'll talk about it next podcast or maybe it'll be out by the Australian Open. We have zero clue when this is going to actually be a thing, but without knowing that, we are going to move on. Let's get to some more news in the tennis world. All right, this is just a, a rant not a rant, but a conversation I'm going to have with myself here for the next you know couple minutes but I watched the 60 minutes on Novak Djokovic and if you haven't seen it I highly recommend it it's less than 15 minutes long and it's a great piece on 60 minutes they go to his home and they talk to him I want to say maybe a decade ago and they're going back and talking to Novak again about what he's done in his career where he's at in his career and exactly um, what this year and everything's Like, and I think when you look at what he says in this interview, it's hard to believe he's going to lose a match in 2024. The competitive fire, the competitive nature of Novak Djokovic is very much still there. And the nice part about this interview that he did is it opened up a side of Novak I don't think a lot of people had seen. Um, and when I don't, when I say seen, I want to say maybe heard, he mentioned some things in there that were strategic to the fact of like, you figured he did things like this, but you didn't know the exact talking points of it. I'm going to start with the mental game of things. He talked about the, you know, how strong mentally he has to be. And the guy interviewing him goes, yeah, but that was a, you know, not everybody's gifted like you are. He goes, no, no, this isn't a gift. I've had to work on the mental side of my game like everybody else works on the physical side of their game. I just work on the mental side of my game more, and that's how I have become, how I I am right. And he talked about going into big matches, going into big moments. He works on his breathing. He works on other things. And he goes outside. I may look calm, but I'm freaking out inside. And to hear Novak say that was a little bit of a shock to me because I always just assumed, oh, he's so calm in these moments because of his breathing and what he does. But he's like, no, inside I'm freaking out. I'm spazzing like outside. I'm, I'm keeping calm. And he goes, but the biggest difference is, and I'm going to mess up this quote, but the biggest difference is, is like during the big moments is compressing those emotions and everything and making sure you work on your breathing and your mental strength. But the biggest difference is in some of these matches, right? He has weak moments as well. And he goes, he mentions those weak moments and matches and how, you know, sometimes he'll spaz out or sometimes he'll freak out. And he goes, but the biggest difference for me is when I get into that mind space of negativity, it lasts much shorter than maybe some other people, right? He, he screams, he breaks a racket. He does something, lets out that frustration, lets out that energy, that bad energy and lets new energy come in. I mean, it's incredible to hear how he does these things when they put, you know, when they put video to it and you're like, Oh, I remember that moment. And I remember, you know, how intense that was. And then he talks about it and stuff like that. That was one thing he talked about. He talked about, you know, his longevity in the game and, and how he's continued to play throughout all these years. He he literally talked about everything. He talked about a, a Wimbledon final with Roger Federer where Roger might have won more points, but Novak won, you know, the more important points, I would say, maybe the most more important points. I believe Federer actually had two match points on his racket and Novak won both of those points. That was another example of him, you know, Freaking out on the inside, but staying calm on the outside, and training that way so that in those big moments that he can perform. They mentioned the loss at Wimbledon to to Carlos Alcaraz this year, and they mentioned you know him coming into the United States swing right before the U.S. Open, and he said before I went to the U.S., I said I'm not losing a match on on American soil, and he didn't. He he won, and uh, he he won the U.S. Open, and. When they when they talk about his future and what the future of the sport is um, with him in it, it seems inevitable that he's just going to keep winning. Um, his mindset is still strong. He still wants it more than ever. Um, he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the trophies, but he still has that want. And he still has that competitive nature to do it. And when you look back at his career and what he's done, and then you really look back at the last few years, what he's gone through, and how he continues to win... It's like there's no other word to say, but it's incredible. It's remarkable. It's unmatched in this in the world of sport, um, especially in this world um, with tennis. And what he continues to do is mind blowing. And I'm excited to keep watching him. I think right now, us as tennis fans and sports fans, we are sitting in a time of history that just continues to be made. And as much as possible, I just want to relish in that and keep watching it and enjoy all these matches. I'm gonna wake up at two AM to watch the Australian Open when Novak's playing, when, you know, Sinners playing, when Medvedev and Alcaraz and Sitsipas and Zverev and Rublev and Fritz and Tiafo and Runa and Ben Shelton, these guys, I wanna wake up early to watch them because we're sitting in an everlasting, you know, moment of time of history. What Roger's done, what Rafa's done, and what Novak has done is probably never going to be seen in our lifetime again, especially three people doing it at the same time. With that being said, one of them is still chasing an enormous number of Grand Slams. And the other one is making a return. Rafael Nadal has said recently he is making his return. I believe it's in Brisbane, uh, Australia. It looks He looks to be playing in the Australian Open. I would expect him moving forward in in Australia to maybe not play all the tournaments. And even if he makes it far, I believe he's going to withdraw early, kind of like Roger Federer did at Roland Garros when he was prepping for his last Wimbledon. I think Rafael Nadal is just going to say, you know what, I worked hard, I made it to the quarters, I made it to the semis, this is going to be it. I'm really prepping to do a really, really good run at the Australian Open. I don't want to hurt myself before it. So that's what I believe is going to happen leading into the Australian Open. But, man, I can't wait. I can't wait for Rafael Nadal to get back on the tennis court. It's going to be electric. It's going to be fun. It's going to be outstanding. And he's going to be back sooner than ever. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, In other news leading into the Australian Open, I believe Nick Kyrgios won't be playing in the Australian Open. Um, I I saw that somewhere. I can't seem to find where I found that, but I'm like 99% sure I saw that Nick Kyrgios is not playing in the Australian Open. Let's get to a couple more tidbits right before we get out of here. I don't want to take too much of your time. I want to put a bow, really, on the 2023 season. And as we move forward into the week of Christmas, into the week of New Year, we are going to talk all about the new year. Um, When it looks at at tournaments of the year, Masters 1000 Tournament of the Year is Indian Wells. Of course, it's a fifth major for a reason. That's why we call it that. Uh, The Queens Club, London Queens Club, got ATP 500 Tournament of the season. And Bastad won the ATP 250 tournament this season. If you've never been to Indian Wells, go. It's the sickest tournament in the world. It's so cool. Um, Five million fans this year. This season saw record attendance at 22 ATP tour events and with more days of Masters 1000s action, um, we welcome more more of you than ever. Five million fans on site in 2023. The, The sport continues to grow. People continue to watch it. It's really, really good for the sport and it's really fun to watch. The player's pension. Um, is the ATP's way of financially supporting players post-career. It looks like it is expanded for 2024. um, It's expanded to more players in 2024. From 2023, it was 165. It's now 300. Its forecasting contribution is going from 18 million to 25 million. Everything that they're doing here seems to be in the right way. Why is it this way? I believe it's this way because there has been rumors over the last few years, and you've seen what it's done in golf, of a Saudi investment fund just stealing everybody, right? And taking everybody from the sport. And I think ATP, you know, PGA, but ATP specifically has really took a good long look in the mirror at what they need to do to support their players longer term and enhance their benefits. And I think this is a step in the right direction, but it's going to be a challenge. Nick Kyrgios even said, um, in an interview at one point that, uh, it says he'd let the ATP sink if Saudi Arabia is funded, uh, funded a breakaway tour. He said, uh, I would have been the first one to jump off. I would have gone. I would have just let the ATP uh, ship sink. And he said that via the athletic. And you know, if you're just, if if you're playing to, for a sustainable future for you and your family, it's not a bad move. Um, I have many thoughts on if what is happening in golf happens in tennis and what exactly would happen. But I'm not going to get into that today. But what I'm saying, what I'm getting to, is uh, the ATP tour calls it their hashtag One Vision, and they are significantly trying to increase a lot of things they do to keep players, right? To keep players here, just in case in the future a Saudi investment fund comes into play. That's going to be it for this episode. I really appreciate you listening. I know it's been, you know, a couple of weeks since I podcasted. You don't have to stick with me. You know, through the off season, but you continue to support my podcast. You continue to support me, and I don't take that lightly, and I don't t- take it for granted. I love talking tennis every single week on this podcast. Off season's been a little busy. I haven't gotten to as much content as I'd like to here in the off season. But before you know it, it's going to be Australian Open, and we're going to start another eleven months in a row of talking about tennis. I cannot say it enough how much I appreciate you guys listening to me, uh, listening to my takes on this, interacting with me, giving me your thoughts, and we can continue to talk tennis because I genuinely enjoy talking about the sport of tennis. And as long as Believe keeps giving me a platform here and people keep on listening, I will continue to talk tennis. It's a sport I love. It's a sport I love following. And it truly has the most unique landscape and the most unique players with the most unique sport and the best tournaments in the world on a yearly basis. And I can't wait to do it again in 2024. I don't believe this is going to be my last podcast of 2023, but uh, I'll catch you when I catch you. And we're going to be talking about Adelaide and Brisbane and all those real, real soon. But with that, that's a wrap on 2023 in the sport of tennis. What a fantastic year. Such a fun year. New players coming into the realm. Old players still being in the realm of legit tennis. And it's truly a blessing to be able to watch some of the best in the world go at it in the sport of tennis. The ups, the downs, the dramas, all of it, I will continue to follow for many, many years to come. But 2023 was a special year. Novak's a record breaker. 2024 is going to be even better. I think we're going to see players come out of the woodwork. I think we're going to see new Grand Slam champions. And I think we're going to see a special year for Rafael Nadal as he you know, rides off into the sunset of his career. I appreciate you listening. Have a great holiday season and a great new year. And I'll talk to you when I talk to you.